Hey lovelies, before we get started, I wanted to take another second to remind you about my new referral program. This is a fantastic way where you can earn gift cards towards getting something from my line and your friends get to find out about a great new brand that they might not have known about before. Uh, since the week or so that this program has been live, some lovelies have already earned themselves gift cards and it's actually making me really, really happy. So here's how it works. You sign up for the referral program. This will give you a specific link that is special for you. Then you're going to share the link with your friends. This is a great way for them to find out about a brand that they might not know about and also a great way for you to earn credit because you're going to share your link with your friends and when they order you get a $25 gift card and those gift cards can be stacked. So if you tell two friends, you get $50 off your next order. If you tell four friends, that's $100 off your next order, etc., etc., etc. So the fine print is that your gift card will be issued once the 30-day return window for your friend's order has passed. So you will not get credit if your friend returns her entire order. But there's something called cookies, which is basically just how things on the internet know what you do is my understanding. And um, the the cookie length on this is 90 days. So that means that if your friend clicks on your link and then places an order and then has to return it, and then let's say a month later makes a second order, you would still get credit for that second order. And there's a lot of turnover in my orders. There's a lot of times that someone will try something. It might not be great for them. They'll send it back and try something that is perfect for them. And you would get credit either way. So it's a really great way for you to let your friends know about a brand that you love and for you to earn credit towards Impact Fashion. So the way that you find a link is by going to impactfashionnyc.com, scrolling to the bottom of any page on the website and clicking where it says referral program. I'll also put that direct link in the show notes here. So you can ask me any questions that you'd like by emailing me. That's Rivky, R-I-V-K-Y at impactfashionnyc.com. Um, I'm happy to talk you through it. If you'd like, you can send me a DM on Instagram, whatever is more convenient for you. And I can't wait to style you and your friends. Enjoy the show. From Impact Fashion, it's Be Impactful, a show about the women making a difference in their own corners of the world. I'm Rifki Itzquitz, and on today's show, I talk with a lover of comedy and learning things the hard way about her life. We talk about her decision to skip 12th grade, swap rabbi stories that didn't exactly do their trick on us, discuss her old-fashioned sensibilities and the responsibility of a platform. across Aliza Horowitz online, my initial reaction was, I know that girl. As you'll hear me recount in our conversation, I did know that girl because we went to high school together. It seems that she had found a new outlet or maybe even lease on Life Online. But what I discovered during our talk is that like always, she's really just being Aliza. How funny would that have been if we did the whole conversation of the night? Not funny. Button didn't press. <laughs> yeah. Not funny. That would have been great. <laughs> oh. Hello, Aliza. How are you? Good. It would have been my first podcast not recorded. <laughs> but if like you finally did the podcast and it didn't even happen, that actually would have been I know, funny. I know. I, I know. I have no proof that I did that I did the podcast. You could tell people that you did it, but it wouldn't really be there. It would exactly. Be, it would become a conspiracy theory. Exactly. exactly. I hear you. To start off, can you tell me what you were like as a little kid? Um, okay. So what I was like as a little kid. Okay. So I was the youngest of nine. 
um, just to give you a little bit of a reference, my oldest brother is 20 years older than me, okay? So by the time my parents had me, you could imagine they weren't like super hands-on. Let's leave it at that. Okay, so I used to like answer the telephone at like age three and be like, hi. And then someone would be like, is your mom there? And I'd be like, no, my mom's not th- here. Can I take a message? Um, and they'd be like, sure, my name is this. And I'd be like, and what's your number? And they'd give me the number, but I was three, so I didn't know how to write anything. And I would just be like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Can you say that one more time? Uh-huh. Okay, I'll let her know. And then I would hang up the phone. And when my mother would come home, I'd be like, somebody called for you. I don't know who. I was really, um, I was a really spe- a special, a special child. <laughs> So did you, like, because your so your oldest brother, you said, is 20, 20 years older than you. Did you, like, yeah. know him? Like, I presume that he was, like, out of the house at Yeshiva or college or whatever when you were born. Exactly. He was not no longer living in my home once I was, when, when I was born. And the funniest part was I really didn't know him at all growing up because he had gotten married and moved all the way to Israel. And then when I got married and moved to Israel was the first time in my life at age 21 that I was like interacting with him and getting to know him. And for the last seven years, he's lived two blocks over from me. And he has three, my brother has three grandkids. Okay. So he's already a grandfather. I'm a great aunt. Okay. I am a great aunt. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah. And I started to get to know him and his family. And it was so funny to get to know like my immediate family later in life. But like, it's really, really special. And we're obviously very different. Like he really grew up in a different home than I grew up in. Um, but it's funny because like we have similarities because, you know, there's there's a lot to, to, to nature and there's a lot to nurture. Right. Like you're made of the same juice, but still. Yeah. It's so funny. I have a friend who's like not super bright. And she was like, Lisa, I was just talking to someone and I was telling her that my really good friend is already a great grandmother. And I'm like, I'm 27. I'm not a great grandmother. Like I'm a great aunt, but not yet a great grandmother. They're very, very different things. Please don't tell people I'm a great grandmother. They're going to be very confused. Like she was saying that you were the great grandmother in this situation. I'm a great grandmother (laughs) (laughs) at age 27. I'm like, people are going to have a lot of questions and I won't be able to answer them. (laughs) That does lead to some some unusual questions. (laughs) I hear you. So you're this like super independent three-year-old, apparently. Um, I feel like we should say full disclosure. We went to high school together. We didn't know each other very well because I like kind of jumped in at the because I didn't so you grew up in Frockway right I grew up in Frockway and I also left early high school I right I, I left yeah right so and I we should mention that I did not grow up on Frockway I grew up in in Kew Garden Hills where I still live and I I jumped in late um because I joined just for the high school so we only overlapped for about three years and I don't think we had like any classes together or anything but we should I say do, I don't recall yeah, we did go to high school together, and that is where I feel like I know you from. Like, I do feel like this is not our first time meeting because we actually spent three years together. Um, but then after, I remember after, in 11th grade, I'm like, I'm not going to 12th grade. I had, like, this little, like, bug in my system. Like, I don't want to do 12th grade. Really what happened was is that I grew up, even though I'm one of nine, I grew up as one of three because there was really three groups of three in my family. So the kids that I grew up with were the two boys on top of me. And in 11th grade, my 
one of my brothers got married and one brother decided to go study in Israel. So I was really the only person left at home with my parents. And I'm like, no, I'm not being an only child. I'm done. So at the end of 11th grade, I told my parents, I'm like, hey, by the way, I'm not going to be going to 12th grade. And they're like, that's not one of the options. Like you gotta, and I'm like, no, um, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm, I'm not going to be staying with you guys. <laughs> you know what? How did I they take that? They weren't even that devastated. I think they were also ready to move on. So um, everyone had already applied to seminary um, and had gotten their acceptances or their rejections. I really decided this at the end of 11th grade. My parents said, like, Aliza, if you can pull off your regents and take whatever regents you were supposed to take in 12th grade in the summer, um, we'll get you the diploma, you'll graduate from high school, and we'll figure out where you can study in Israel next year. So I had two options, actually, of two uh, like seminaries that were willing to accept me. Um, I took all my regions. I don't even remember if I did well on them or not. I just literally just like, okay, I, was sh I showed up. I basically just showed up and took the test, got my diploma, left early, did not show up to 12th grade, um, and went to study for the year in Israel. Yeah, so like from somebody else's perspective, like like I said, we were not super close. I had no idea that this was happening. I was kind of thinking like we showed up at 12th grade and I was like, I feel like there was some, like what happened to Aliza? <laughs> like where, and even I will admit this, when we reconnected over Instagram, I actually texted someone else who we went to high school with. And I was, and there's a, someone who I, who was in our high school that uh, I went to seminary with as well. And I texted her and I was like, was Aliza in high school with us or was she in seminary with us? Cause like, I know that she, <laughs> I know that I overlapped with her at some point. And I will say this, I'm terrible with names and faces. I'm I, it's like, it's probably clinical. I'm not even joking. And there are plenty of people who we went to high school with who I still don't know their names because I just never had anything to do with. And like, I never, I have to study people to remember their names. It's really, really hard for me to remember names. So I was like, wait, is she like just one of those people who's, face I sort of recognize but I don't know who she is or like where is she and she was like no she was in and whatever this other person was like she was in high school with us and she left early and that's why you like don't that's why you don't because I was like she's not in our yearbook so what's happening yeah they didn't put me in the yearbook I was so upset about that well you didn't graduate did not I mean you did technically but I graduate. did graduate right so I, I either should have been with like the year below you or just like just you know just stick me in the yearbook for like whatever Whatever. regardless they, they, in my eighth grade year in my eighth grade yearbook they uh wrote the wrong name for me so I really never graduated anywhere wait what what name did they write no it's not totally my name is Aliza Bela Greenblatt and for my eighth grade yearbook I was Aliza Bracha Greenblatt which is fine it's close it's very great. close <laughs> it is close <laughs> It's close. It's also like, at least I thought you were going to say that like they were like Aliza Greenberg or something like, <laughs> like something right. totally off. So they got my first name and my last name. They just, they just changed the middle. I was the just middle. like, you know okay. what? You can't have everything in life. You can't have everything. That is, that is true. Okay. So you so... decide that you're leaving high school early. You take all of your regents, you go to seminary. What was that experience like? Like, did you enjoy your time there? Okay. So let me tell you, firstly, the second decision to not go to 12th grade and leave and like this is a really dramatic decision especially for someone who is not good at making friends I got on the plane it was a, like a 11 hour plane ride and I just sobbed like cried my head off I, I wasn't flying with anyone I knew I didn't know anybody in seminary I, these were not people that were my age and I remember like midway through the flight I was like six hours in having had cried for the past six hours and the guy was just like excuse me ma'am are you okay <laughs> like wh wh what is going on 
<laughs> yeah, I'm totally fine. I'm good. I'm good. I just made a bad decision. <laughs> but I got to seminary, and I, I just want to tell you, I did not choose the right seminary for me. Um, in hindsight, I really um, chose a seminary that values did not necessarily overlap with my values, and that was a mistake on my part. But the group of girls that were there that year was like an incredibly high-quality group of people. And I became slowly friends with them over the year. I didn't have a great year. Seminary was actually a very, very hard year, a very transformative, but very, very hard year for me. But after the year was over, those group of girls that I spent the year with, I started getting together with them, going to college with them, having them over um, and hanging out with them. And that after the year was when my relationship with a lot of those people solidified. And I am extraordinarily close to those friends today and even closer to them than I am to my high school friends. Yeah, I, I hear that. I've actually interviewed a bunch of people who speak about this, about making the wrong seminary decision, about feeling like they were in the wrong. It's it's super common, um, or at least based on my, you know, oh, 200 person sample size. Um, but it's I'm, I'm curious what that process was like for you, realizing that, like, oh, I'm this is not going to work and and what coming to terms with that was like like how did you how did you deal with the information that like oh i've decided to leave high school and i'm and i missed my senior year and now i'm just in this place that makes no sense for me so i'll tell you a few things number one is uh, there was a i like i said i didn't want to be home alone with my parents that was one reason um that i left and didn't go to 12th grade another reason was that i did not feel like i was heading in the right direction in the decisions that i was making and the people that i was hanging out with and i sort of said adios muchachas i'm out of here like this is not the direction i want to go in my life i need to disassociate and find a new group of friends or a new a new situation so those were the two reasons that i really left um I got to seminary and the feeling was mutual. I did not like the seminary and they did not like me. Um, I was a bit too open-minded. I had grown up in a very open house where everything was talked about. You were allowed to ask questions about whatever, that kind of thing. Um, the seminary that I went to was very, uh, I won't mention them my name, but, but was very track um, one-track minded. And it, throughout the year, they made like a few comments to me of like, um, I remember we had like a weekend where we we're going to discuss like, um, the importance of marrying someone um, who uh, only studies Torah. And I remember thinking like, that's a great thing to do if you're, you know, if you can do that. But also there's a whole other group of men who don't want to do that or can't do that in their lives and who are good people. And like, when you're just opening up one specific path, you're just, you're disservicing a lot of people. Right. right. And I remember before like this, we we're going to have this big question and answer where everyone was allowed to like pose their questions about this situation, about who to marry, why to marry someone in this field, et cetera, et cetera. One of the teachers who was running it came over to me and said, um, at least I don't want you to ask questions. Wow. I don't want you to ask, I don't want you to ask questions. Um, her words were, you are like cold, your questions are like cold water rushing on innocent souls. Those were, those are her words. And I remember just like calling my mother and being like, they think I'm poison. Number one, they think I'm poison. And number two is if you can't answer a seven year old girl's questions then you have bigger problems. Those were the mm -hmm. two things. I felt like I was poison and that they couldn't, they were scared of my questions. And why are you scared? If you're scared of questions then there is an issue here. 
Um, and I felt very strongly like that. And I felt like that the whole year where there was uh, a lot of a lot of headbutting with a lot of the teachers. And I am someone who speaks my mind. And I remember screaming at one of the rebutting who said a story that till this day makes me so nauseous. Like, I don't even know if I should repeat the story here because it it left such a yuck. And I remember saying like, that's not a good story. The lesson in that story is a bad lesson. And it's what's not the, a lesson. What's the lesson? Because I have a similar experience. Um, I'll share it after. Uh, what was the you story? You want to hear the story? I want to hear the story. The story this story it is such a weird story i'm telling you you're gonna be like so weirded out this story was and it's a short story that um this um man with seven children found out that his wife was unfortunately um had cancer and was gonna pass away um and the only treatment that she that might might work was they were in like i don't know where they live lived but it was in california and it was like five hours away from where they lived and she was gonna have to go there to get the treatment but honestly she would probably pass away anyway um this was a mother to seven children um they called the rev he's like what should i do i have seven children at home but my wife needs me in california she's unfortunately like this doesn't look like it's gonna have a happy ending here what should i do the rev said let me give me a date to to think on it and the rev called him back and said um i thought about it i'm gonna fly to california i'm gonna go sit with your wife on her deathbed and i'll be there for her when she dies and he's talking about the godless of a rev to give up his of his, give up his you know position for a few days to go be with one of his congregants wives um on her deathbed and i said yeah a real rev would watch seven kids a real rub yeah. would babysit seven kids so a husband could be with his wife on her deathbed. Um, I was really angry. I was like, yeah, that's that's crazy. not Torah. What are you talking about? What yeah. are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. My experience with this was like, it was a similar, I, I should say this. I had a fantastic seminary experience. I really did love where I was at. And part of that was because I had kind of an understanding. I didn't take any college credit for my seminary year. So I could literally fail every class and have a great time and it wouldn't matter. So um because of that, I had a little bit of a lax attitude <laughs> towards my classes. And I basically went to the classes that I wanted to and didn't go to the classes whose teachers I thought were um, less than ideal. So I remember I was sitting and there were some people who I liked, even though I disagreed with them completely. So I would like go to their class and like sit and listen to them. But I wasn't like, actually, like, I just liked arguing with them, honestly, and they liked arguing with me. So it worked. Um, and it was fun for everyone. So it was fine. But uh, in one class, somebody told a story about it was one of these stories in like Siberian Russia or some other like terrible cold place in the old country um, where like they lived in a hut and with, you know, the dirt floors and they peed in a bucket in the middle of the room and they were so immersed in Torah and wonderness that it was fantastic and and they the, the, the Torah sustained them or whatever. Um, and there was a wife of some rough, forgive me she said the name I don't remember what it was I'm sure he was very holy and it was like uh, she she got locked out of the house how by the way how she gets locked out of like the hut in the shtetl I'm not totally sure how that happens because like I feel like it wouldn't be so hard to break into a house in the shtetl but I digress um she gets locked out in the middle of like Siberian Russia in the winter or whatever and she doesn't want to um, just it's it's the middle of the night and like she was probably going to mikvah or something like that I don't know there was like tons of details to the story and it was the kind of thing where it's like she didn't want to disturb his sleep because he like needs his sleep to be able to learn Torah so she slept on the doorstep outside in the winter in Siberian Russia and 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 he wakes up in the morning and he finds her like half frozen 
on the outside and he starts praising her for what a wonderful, you know, someone who gives up everything for Torah and blah, blah, blah. And I raised my hand and I said, that's spousal abuse. That's ridiculous. And I said, there's, I was like that. I said, I was like, that's spousal abuse. There's, if she was so, I was like, you're telling me that she couldn't wake him up in the middle of the night to not freeze her butt off in the middle of Siberian Russia. And he's so thrilled that she did this girl. You need to leave that relationship ASAP. Like I was, I was not <laughs> having it. I, and I, and I remember being really upset about it also. And just being like, that's ridiculous. And I even said to the teacher afterwards, I was like, you do know that there are people, I was like, like, you're going to tell that story to me. And I'm going to tell you that's ridiculous, but I'm going to tell you that there are people in this class who are going to hear you say that. And then, you know, they, God forbid might end up in a legitimately abusive marriage. And they're going to, and they're going to be like, well, this is what Hashem wants for me. And they're going to stay in that situation and like this is really damaging and she was like and she basically and she was like no I don't think so I don't know that that would happen and I literally named specific people and I was like she's not smart enough to realize what you're saying like she's not smart enough to make that connection she drinks up every single thing that that you say and she's going and like she will take that literally and the teacher was like yeah you're probably right I should have a conversation with her I was like yeah you should because that's damaging but yeah, it's, it's kind of, no, it's true. Um, I had, I got along great with this teacher. I should say we really liked fighting with each other. Um, and I mean that like legitimately, we really liked arguing with each other and we were good at it too. And like, it was coming from like a respectful place and, and things. And she was just like, okay, Rifki, this is not for you. And I was like, yeah, I don't think so, but it's fun fighting with you about it. And she was like, yeah, maybe one day I'll convince you. And I'm like, right. probably not, but sure. Why not? You know, that's, you know, whatever. Anyways. Yeah. So Yes, the stories are like a, a bit confusing, um, to say the least. But that was like, yeah, that was wow. That's quite a story. <laughs> yeah, it's the same kind of thing. That so, is... how did your how did your year end? Trying to like remember, it was quite a few years ago. Um, like I said, like we had a we had a class called Bainai Yehudi, which is just like how teaching you how to be like a good Jewish woman. Um, and then in the middle of the year, she's like, you know what? I'm going to change this class to SNE class because there's a need. There's a need, <laughs> um, which I did not appreciate. I, I, so I, um, as a little bit of active rebellion, wore lipstick to Dan's class every week. I found the reddest, reddest lipstick that I could. And then one week I forgot. And she's like, well, no one's wearing lipstick. So let's talk about lipstick. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about lipstick today because I don't see anybody wearing any. I'm like, darn it, I forgot my lipstick today. I knew I forgot something. <laughs> That's amazing. No, I love passing. Yeah, they really, they like really, that. yeah, I had a great, I really did. I had a great relationship with a lot of the teachers there. Um, I thought a lot were full of garbage. I really, really thought a lot were full of garbage. And it's a shame because it is such, uh, like I said, it's such a transformative year and it has such potential for such growth. It's an independent year. And if you have a teacher, um, you know, talking garbage, it, it, it could really write, like, like you were saying, it could resonate with the wrong person or it, someone can soak it up who shouldn't be necessarily soaking up the things that they're saying. Um, I remember actually right after I was married, um, I went to a workshop on sourdough. Okay, a three-hour sourdough workshop on how to make the best sourdough bread. Uh, my friend dragged me, which is fine. I love sourdough. My husband makes great sourdough. Um, and we got in, and it was about 20 women. They're all, um, all married from shawl ladies, from Maysharm shawl ladies to me. Like, you know, the whole uh, a huge range on the spectrum, okay? And this lady starts talking, and she's talking garbage. Like, 
she gives us four pages of sources um, why um, sourdough will cure your marriage. It will cure all your health issues. It will cure your Yetzirah. It will like literal, like straight up and things like you, my husband, by the way, is in med school. So this is a sore topic. Things she said things like, you shouldn't go to a doctor. Doctors will make you sicker. If you have any doctor questions, call me. I can cure you. I can fix everything. I can whatever. And I remember just sitting there like, huh? Like, and, and I look around and there's 20 women writing down every single word she says, like word for word for word. And I remember just being like, but, but like, guys, this lady doesn't have a cert- certification. She doesn't have anything like what this lady said, you, you can pay me 150 shekel. You can come to my three hour workshop. And now she's talking. Why are you, why are you not taking anything she's saying with a grain of salt? Like, why are you guys writing this stuff down? Like crazy, crazy, crazy. And then in the middle of the thing, I actually breastfed my children, but I don't breathe. I don't, I'm not a believer that breast is best. I'm a believer that fed is best. And I think most people are, however you feed your children, you should feed your children. Great. Moving on. Um, and then in the middle of her brand, she, she said something like, yeah, and formula, it's like poison. And I was like, okay, I'm not a good, I'm not going to keep my mouth shut. Not like, and I said, um, excuse me, what did you say? <laughs> Mind you, this lady's like 40 years older than me. Okay. And she's like, well, you know, formula is like really bad for babies. And I said, how dare you? How dare you get up in a, in a group of a, a bunch of mothers and say such a terrible thing? How dare you? What a terrible, disgusting thing to say. A lot of people can't breastfeed for either emotional issues or physical issues, or they choose not to. Who cares? But how dare you shame a mother for how she how she feeds her kid? I don't, I'm, I don't care about the science. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I said, you're a lady on a platform. You see that every single woman here is writing down every single word you say, then you're on a platform. That means that you need to be careful that the words that come out of your mouth are not words that shame other women. My friends who had brought me to the workshop, I see them slowly sliding under the table. We don't know her. She did not come I with us. You, they, they started scooting their chairs like closer, like away from me. And by the way, this was like six years ago and they've never invited me out with them since. <laughs> but whatever, not the I'm, point. Not the, the point, point, but I'm not surprised. <laughs> the point was like, okay, a few a few mothers were like, you know, like, like sort of chimed in at that point and were like, yeah, you know, really, it was a very healthy crowd. Like this is a sourdough crowd, you know what I'm saying? But she was like, yeah, we tried to breastfeed, but I had this kind of issue where I don't produce enough milk and I have this issue and I have a job issue. And like a few mothers piped in like, yeah, we do formula because we have to. And then, like, there was a lady, actually, the Shaw lady, who had 15 kids, um, and she was just like, I, I don't know why you guys would feed formula. She got into, she's like, I have had 15 kids. I have uh, nursed each one for a minimum of two and a half years. That means that she nursed like, continuously probably for, like, 20 years. Yeah, yeah. Well, if she's got uh, 15 kids, know- hold on. No, 17 years at least. I'm assuming, well, if she's got 15 kids and she started when she was 18, Hold on. I have to do math, people. I'm interested in this. I'm pulling out a calculator. If she started when she was, let's say, 18, and then she had 15 kids. So if she would have a kid a year, that would make her 33. She probably, but she didn't. She probably had a kid like every year and a half, right? Right. So 15 times 1.5 is 22 and a half plus 18. That's 40 and a half. That's how old she was when she stopped nursing at the youngest. A tall lady is like a... Um, a lady who t- typically lives um, in like an ultra orthodox area, like Mayasharim in Jerusalem, 
and wears a lot of shawls um, uh, for modesty purposes. Yeah, exactly. I just want to tell you, I just, I, I do gowns, I sell gowns, and I just had, for the first time ever, two shawl ladies walk in um, for gowns, which is really funny, because I like, I don't sell very provocative gowns, but very form-fitting, very modest, but, you know, right. and they were actually adorable, English-speaking shawl ladies, and they, um, and they picked, like, a really, I don't want to say it, but they picked a really sexy gown, <laughs> I was so confused, I was like, questions for you wow. <laughs> I have so many questions and I'm not going to ask you because you're a client of mine but like you guys have great taste it's always fun when those kind of when you know it's fun when clients surprise us that is for sure yeah you mentioned yeah. you mentioned yeah. like that that like you felt like this crazy sourdough lady was not taking the responsibility of her platform seriously that like people listen yeah. to her yeah. and she was not taking it seriously, which I think is super important. For better or worse, you have a platform. Um, and I'm curious, like now you have a platform. And I love the face that you just made in response to that photo. Anyone who follows Aliza <laughs> knows exactly the face that she just made um, in response to what I just said. But um, I'm curious how you feel about that responsibility. Like, t- tell me how it got started. How did you, you know, why did you start, Aliza? Why did I start? Well, I live in Israel. Israel took COVID, uh, Corona, very, very, very seriously um, to the extent that they really locked us in our houses off and on for two years, okay? So let me just paint you the picture of what was happening in my house. I had two little children home who did not have school for about a year. Um, we were not allowed to leave our houses more than 50 or 500 meters. Um, I like If I went to the pharmacy, I would get pulled over by a police and ask for proof of my medications and that I'm actually going to the pharmacy. Okay, like I'm talking about police on every street, making sure that where you're going. Okay, so your kids are home. My husband was in medical school at the time, so he was in Zoom medical school. So he was locked in his room all day. I was not. Um, I I was working two jobs. My retail, my gowns was not going, obviously, because nobody was traveling. People weren't having weddings. People weren't traveling. So at least I wasn't doing that. But I was working a second job, which sort of took over as my full-time job, which was an eight-hour-a-day online data entry job, which was misery beyond, okay? So my kids were home. My husband was in Zoom medical. I was working a minimum of eight hours a day on the computer. I was pregnant and sick as a dog. Um, and we couldn't leave our houses because then we would get pulled over the police. Okay. Um, basically, me and my husband were like in very bad shape. And I'll just leave it at that. You can fill in the rest of your imagination. Um, and I was like, we're going to die. Like we're, we're losing our sanity and we are going to die. I was going to die. I had no outlet. Managed to pull away. I jumped on my computer to work. I was sleeping about four hours a night. My body was starting to kill, like physically hurt. I thought I was like, I thought I had like some kind of sickness. Like it was just like from not sleeping, the anxiety from the everything. And then like one day I picked up my phone and I'm like, I can't, I need an outlet. I need to do something. And I don't know what possessed me. I was never been like a specifically funny person, but I started posting on social media and it started bringing out like this really light sort of like comedic side. And I'm like, I like this. This makes me feel really good. This like lifts a weight off my chest. And then the more I started posting, people started responding like, Hey, we're going through really tough times. Thanks for being here. I like to watch your content in the morning. It makes my day go easier. And I'm just like, wait, this is good for you. This is good for me. Let's, you know, let's keep at it. And that was really sort of the beginning of me sort of posting comedy um, on social media and being like, oh my gosh, I like this. This is making my life better. Hopefully this is helping other people's lives. 
let's, you know, let's see where this takes us. Yeah. So where has it taken you? I don't know. Well, right now, <laughs> right now, I'm really conflicted. I don't know whether to go 100 miles an hour towards this. Um, I never saw myself as someone on social media. Um, <clears throat> I'm very superstitious. So one of my big, I don't know the right word for this, but like one of the things that really disincentivizes me from social media is that because I'm so superstitious, I have a big belief that things that are hidden from the eye um, have blessing. And when you're public, you, 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 some of that blessing is retracted. And my life has been honest. I don't share a lot of like my personal life, but my life is not an easy life. And I sort of wonder sometimes, is it because I have people looking at me and looking at my husband and looking at my children to be like, yeah, look at her, look at her, look at her. And that causes like the universe to, to like, I remember a teacher was telling us like, when someone talks about you, it causes like, you know, the, the heavens to be like, oh, she has that. Does she deserve that? Does she have that? Like my husband's not a believer in all this stuff, but I'm a huge believer. And some days when things go like really, really long, I'm like really wrong. I'm like, yeah, well, a few thousand people just saw this and just saw this version of my life and are probably looking at me going, oh, look at her, look at her, look how happy she is, look how funny she is, look how light she is. And maybe that is in some superstitious kind of weird, above world, worldly, above nature way, it's it's transforming, taking the blessing from my life and, and, and turning it into something. Does that sound crazy? Okay. Do I sound crazy? <laughs> you don't sound crazy. And I'll tell you why you don't sound crazy because this is a very um, particular Jewish woman brand of crazy that like, I've heard this before. Do you know what I mean? Like there's, you know, this, it's this whole thing of like, I Now I personally think that it's all a bunch of baloney. Um, that's, that's, that's just me personally my husband okay like it's it's just not my jam um you know this is also like when people start talking about like energies and like like spirits and powers (laughs) I I have to work really hard to physically not like laugh at them or like roll my eyes or whatever (laughs) which which is my own work to do we should not be rude to people when they express these things um but it's not it's not like you came up with this idea by yourself it's not like you invented a monster it's a thing it is a thing it's it's like a jewish old wives tale thing and and it's there and like my grandmother would agree with you so you know (laughs) it's there it's it's a thing um but i'm curious how you feel about like, what do you think your responsibility is as like, as someone with a platform, do you take that? I have a sneaky feeling that you take that super seriously. Hmm, where did you get that idea? <laughs> I do. And I just want to, I, I do take it seriously. And I just want to tell you, I'm really, really old fashioned and I'm not progressive. I'm not, I'm not progressive in thought. I'm just not, I'm an old fashioned person. I grew up with parents that were substantially older than me with where I don't want to call it old fashioned because it sort of has a bad ring to it, but not progressive. And I don't, and I don't view Torah to be progressive. And I have a very specific view of Torah that like would very much not align with social media with the Amer- would very much not align with the current American morals and ethics. Like I, my view of the world, and I feel like there isn't a lot of that. And, and because I started doing a little bit more, I do a lot of comedy, but in my stories, I actually do a little bit more lifestyle of more serious things. And, 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 and we broach issues and, and we talk about different topics. I actually like to really strongly put in my old fashioned to two cents and and I like to put in my like unprogressivism that's not a word that's fine um and sort of be like what you see on social media 
doesn't necessarily align with realtor values. And maybe I'm wrong. It could be I'm wrong, but I really feel strongly about this topic. And so I'll say things that are really not popular necessarily to say, or things that are not as vanilla as some influencers like to keep things. Um, because I'm not looking to keep everyone happy. I'm looking to firstly make everyone laugh, but on, on, on the side, really promote truth and what Torah is and it's 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 not it's not so instagrammable right. yeah i hear that um yeah. so i think that you see it's interesting because when we when we talk about like this idea of like I do think that to a certain extent, Torah needs to be interpreted for modern times. I do think that like we can't sure. live like we're still in the shtetl because we're not. Right. We have plumbing now. And that's a good thing. <laughs> and like with all of I think and I and I do agree with you that there are plenty of see, I don't think that it has to do so much with like people who are actively like um, not um I don't think that anyone's trying to like promote Averos. You know, no one's trying to like promote right. doing the wrong thing. I do think that with social media, we just have access to people who are different than we are. Like it used to be that the, you knew the people who went to your school and dominated your school and lived in your neighborhood. And all of those people probably chose that neighborhood because they felt similar to the people who were already there. So you it right. became kind of like homogenous. So you have, you know, the firmer neighborhoods and the less from neighborhoods and the Hasidish neighborhoods. And like, and you just have those and you picked where you wanted to live. And then when there was no room for you anymore, you picked up and you moved to Jersey someplace and like started again. And like that, that whole process, you know, rinsed and repeated and with social media we have access to all types of jews who live differently than we are and i think that it has given a lot of people permission to live their life differently than how they grew up because they see someone who is jewish and by like and from by by some definition and then they're like oh well she's jewish and from and her kids you know go to to you know to yeshiva schools and she lives her life a certain way and i i could live that life also and if i you know moved maybe to a different neighborhood or if i you know if i dress like her or something like that which i think that we should acknowledge the fact that a lot of the modest influencers don't follow they, they're not you know, 100% covered 100% of the time. And I have no judgment on that. How you choose to dress is 100% up to you. Um, but it does kind of normalize it. You know, it does kind of, yeah. it makes it more acceptable. Um, and, and, and I think that like that exposure to all these different types of ways to do from kite, like to do, to do being from, I think it's ultimately a good thing. I think that, that, you know, orthodoxy would benefit a lot from being like a little bit less uptight, but there, there are consequences to that. The, the, but the consequences are 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 great, grave. The, the consequences are people don't keep it up. I'll go to this topic, Tarasim. Okay, I'll go to that. Um, tell me your secrets, or tell me what's going on, and then they'll be like, someone will say their deepest, darkest secret. I don't keep any laws of Tarasim anymore. It was too hard for me. And then the influencer's response is, "Good for you. You do you." Right. Yeah, but Tarsim Mishpacha, okay, there are there are rules, but there is a there are basic things that are really, really according to the Torah. And if you don't keep them, then you're then you're 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 foregoing the continuity of Jewish sanctity, which is the 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 crux of everything, which is which is which is why we're here today. It's because because women kill themselves to keep Tarsim Mishpacha Lehalacha, so that we there's a sanctity and 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 if you're if you're gonna give up that continuity, like 
No, you don't do you. You do you. It's not a good response. The good response is, it's really hard. You're right. And a lot of things are really hard, but hard doesn't equal bad. And we need to strive at hard, even if it's not comfortable. And like, you know, I'm not talking about our chakos. I'm not talking about the things that are, 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 are you know, the gadarim, the, the things that are creating boundaries so that we don't go over. I'm talking about the real important stuff. Like I remember during COVID, like, uh, you know, an influencer who isn't necessarily con- considered a modest, perfectly modest dress, like modestly dressed influencer. But like, like I said, I don't care and you don't care. Um, and she, I just remember her getting on and being like, your bathtub is not a mikvah. I know you guys are scared to go to uh, a mikvah because of Corona. I want to get Corona because you don't want to die. You know, this was in the very beginning when everyone was like, oh my gosh, we're all going to die. The apocalypse is coming, you know? And she's like, I don't care. Your bath is not a mikvah. I won't listen to my friends tell me. Like, I was too scared, so I just went in the bath. And I feel strongly, like, when people send me, and people do send me some really private stuff and some really hard-to-deal-with stuff, and a lot of times I'll respond, like, that's not the right, right way to go about it. And it's not what they were looking for. They were looking for comfort in the decision that they made. They were looking for me to be like, yeah, it's okay. You do you. You're, you're good. You're doing the best you can. You're trying your hardest. And I don't, I don't view life like that. I view life like, then try harder. I'm old-fashioned. Try harder because there is something that is bigger than me, and it is bigger than you, and it is more important. I hear that. Yeah, I hear that. And it also, I think, ties into this whole idea that we – like for centuries, we have been turning to our friends to ask questions that we should be asking professionals, you know, whether that be doctors or rabbis or whoever, people who are professionals in their field pertaining to their fields, please, for the love of God, don't ask your mental health questions to a rabbi, ask a therapist, but I digress. (laughs) Um, But like those, it because like in a lot of ways, influencers feel like everybody's friend, then it's like, oh, well, like I would just, this is something that I would tell my friends and I would ask her have what she feels about it so i'm gonna turn to this person and like your influencer doesn't know or care who you are like you like your local orthodox influencer has no idea or stake in how you go about living your life and because of that it's and also like they don't want to be seen as a as like a mean or terrible person so it's easier to go you do you when in truth you shouldn't be asking that question to that person like that's something that should be discussed right, with to begin like, with right, right like that should be discussed with like a rabbi a teacher or a spiritual mentor of some kind um and 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 like approach it that way it's you know like don't ask people will ask me like so, sometimes it'll happen like people ask me like um sometime one time someone put in like a question about something like what are my thoughts on therapy and i was like i am a fashion designer on the internet my thoughts on therapy are not <laughs> relevant i mean i'm pro i'm Personally, I think it's a great idea, but yeah. like, please don't take my opinion on this seriously. Ask me your style questions. <laughs> like, I'll answer those. <laughs> but, but, and I even wrote that. Right. It was like, don't, don't ask me your cooking questions either. That's not my job. Like, those, those are not, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like this, it, it almost feels like these, these questions and these thoughts have found the wrong place to live, you know? Right, right. But now, what, what do we do? They found the wrong place to live to live and now they're confessing them to you so what do you do now do you have responsibility to answer these questions um to ignore them to make a space for them to give advice on them like i'm not a qualified person i am a mama free i'm 27 years old uh, um i am a small business owner i'm necessarily co- I, you know qualified to answer like um 
the questions that are, are not, and they're usually not questions, they're usually statements. I'm not qualified to answer the statements, but I do. I give my advice, and everyone who comes to my page knows that, like, when I put something up, like, hey, what's weighing on your mind? And they say, you know, their deepest, darkest secret, Elise is going to put in her two cents, and there's a chance that she will get unfollowed. <laughs> like, there's, there's a chance wrong that with I that. will just... Yeah, it's, you know, there's nothing wrong I with that. It's just, it's just the way it is. This has been really fun. Like, really fun and very deep, and I cannot believe that our time is basically up already. I know, gosh, that was one second. That literally passed in one second. We'll we'll have to do it again sometime. Just like, just you and me and Zoom and some coffee or something. Chocolate, chocolate, not coffee, chocolate. Um, (laughs) Either way, if somebody wants to see more of your wonderful self, Lisa, where can they go? Um, Well, I am only available on Instagram, uh, Lisa Horowitz underscore. And yeah, that's me. They can go come go to my page, laugh a little bit at my absolutely ridiculousness. Um, And yeah, that's all I that's it's my my side hustle. Let's just leave it at that. It's my (laughs) it's a really fun follow. I have to say it's a really fun follow. And I have to say that, like, I have really enjoyed reconnecting with you over Instagram. And it's been really fun Um, to end off. What does it mean to you to make an impact, Elisa? Ooh, what does it mean? I feel like we sort of just covered that in the last 45 minutes. Um, but what does it mean to make an impact? Really, I guess if I really wanted to just that um, for me, uh, making an impact is life is hard and allowing someone to, you know, laugh a little bit and have a little bit of ease of mind and ease of heart um, is very impactful. So that is my goal daily when I come on the gram is to... Um, ease people's burdens a bit so that they're able to do the things that they need to do throughout their day. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on today, Lisa. I really appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me and thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Aliza, her links are in the show notes. On last week's episode, my guests were Alex Lecture and Ruth Silver of the Deep Meaningful Conversations podcast. We spoke about diversity and conformity in the Orthodox community. Listen to it wherever you're hearing this one. The Impactful Podcast is a project of impact fashion, the clothing line I created because I believe that we are all deserving of the beautiful things life has to offer. See my modest designs that are available in sizes 2 through 24 by going to impactfashionnyc.com. Access all of that by swiping up on the cover art. There are currently 17 people listed by Ora Agunot as a recalcitrant party. View their names, photos, locations, and details of their cases by visiting getora.org slash recalcitrant parties. The episode art was designed by Michelle Moses, original music composed by Nissan Fetman. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Rifki Itzwitz. Catch me on Instagram and Facebook at impact.fashion.myc. As always, here's to making an impact together. Oh, and one more thing. Like I mentioned last week, I have teamed up with a group of female podcasters to let you know about other shows that you might enjoy. So every week we're going to be featuring a different show on all of our shows, and you can take a listen and see if it's something that you think you would enjoy. So this week's featured podcast is How to Glow with Kayla Levin. Here's more. Hey there, Kayla Levin here. I'm a newlywed and marriage coach for Jewish women. Working with married women around the world, I've found that a happy marriage is so much more than a formula or luck of the draw. There are practical tools, paradigm shifts, and concepts that you can start using today to love your marriage more by the time you go to bed tonight. The work we do here will make your entire life better. You'll apply these tools in your career to finally get to the bottom of that load of laundry you've been procrastinating, allow yourself to take that vacation, or shoot for that goal. Pulling from experts across the mental health field, but always grounded and compatible with Torah wisdom, I am bringing you the absolute best tried and true techniques that have helped my clients overcome their biggest life and marriage challenges 
for you to experience right here. Subscribe to the How to Glow podcast with Kayla Levin on your favorite podcast platform. I'll see you there.